Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, we begin a new round of episodes today, continuing to follow the foundational flow of Wesleyan formation in community. We've noted in the first section that the formation begins in belonging. We called it connection, showing how that concept was very important to the Wesleys as they began Methodism. Belonging is the prelude, then, we said, to believing. We've spent the last... uh, weeks in the middle section of this three-part series, looking at our beliefs, focusing on part three of the Book of Discipline in the United Methodist Church. Because when you talk about the beliefs of a denomination, you don't go to individuals. In some cases, you don't even go to congregations, because at that level, beliefs can vary widely. If you want to know what the United Methodist Church believes, if you want to know how our beliefs are in concert with orthodoxy and with the Wesleyan tradition, you go to our Book of Discipline. So that's what we have just completed doing, walking through part three of that book, saying time after time after time, this we believe. But we're not through with the formative flow of Wesleyan faith development in community. Belonging leads to believing, but believing leads to behaving. There you have it. Belonging, believing, behaving. And so, in the next four episodes, we're going to look at living faith. Living the faith. Because that's the only kind of faith that the Wesleys could conceive of. It was the only kind of faith they were interested in. Faith, working by love, is the way they described it over and over again. Their emphasis was on the transformative power of love through the two great commandments and the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. And they emphasized that in their day because they saw too much of what they called dead orthodoxy. That is, all the words in place, all the language parsed properly, but people then did not go on to live that faith, to express that faith and bear that witness in social holiness. And so, the Wesleys revived in their day an ancient concept known as religion of the heart. We'll probably come back in this podcast to talk about heart religion because it's so important in understanding who we are as followers of Jesus in general and as Wesleyan Christians in particular. But I can say today that the religion of the heart is a religion that gives life. 
When John Wesley had his experience at Aldersgate in May 24, 1738, he, he, he used mystical language, the, the, the mystical tradition to describe that experience as having his heart strangely warmed. You, you've got the metaphor of heart, and you've also got the metaphor of warmth, of fire, the fire of love. And that is a, a fire which the early Methodist movement wanted to ignite wherever the people called Methodists were formed. So here we are in our foundational podcast episodes, three phases of Wesleyan formation and community, belonging, believing, and behaving, living faith. And today, I just simply want to put forward the first round, and that is that Living faith is inspired by a vision. Living faith is inspired by a vision. Now let's see how that was so in early Methodism. It was a vision outwardly and inwardly. Inwardly, it was watching over one another in love. If you go to the UM's Connected website, you will see that on the logo of our movement because it's our aim to be faithful to that vision. The vision of watching over one another in love during a time of challenge, during a time of confusion, even during a time of conflict. It's so important to the people called Methodist then and now, that no one feel homeless, that no one feel isolated or left behind. Unfortunately, in the 18th century, there were a lot of people who felt that way. And John and Charles Wesley and the other Methodist leaders, women and men who would come along in their train, realized it too. The institutional church had had uh, had had um, settled for a come to mentality. Um, everyone uh, was born in uh, into the church through their baptism. My mentor, Dr. Frank Baker at Duke University, reminded me on one occasion that in those days your baptismal record was essentially your birth certificate. Uh, but once that process had been taken care of by parents with their infants, uh, many people rarely darkened the door of the church. They felt alone. They, they felt forgotten. And the Wesleys saw that as they looked at their day, and they developed the Methodist movement as a way for people not to feel that way anymore. So they called what they were doing inwardly watching over one another in love. Three dimensions in the phrase. One is watching over. Uh, it's impossible to understand faith in the Wesleyan tradition without understanding it in a pastoral sense. Every grand doctrine is intended in one way or another to bring us hope, encouragement, comfort, guidance, 
when you're studying Wesleyan theology, you can study it in those upper echelon categories of etymology and theology and historicity. You can do all the heady homework that any other of the faith traditions seeks to do because Wesleyan theology is as substantive in its theological content as any other aspect of Christianity. But after you've done that, the Wesleys remind us there's one more job to accomplish, and that is practical divinity. What difference does that doctrine, what difference does that belief make in our lives? So in the societies and classes, bands, selects and uh, bands, penitent societies, uh, they watched over each other. They looked after one another. They cared for one another. Almost in that spirit of Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost when, when Luke begins to describe that fellowship uh, where they, they were taught by the apostles, but they also shared their resources and watched over one another in love. And that phrase, one another, is also interesting to me because it, it sort of flattens, it flattens the fellowship. Uh, it's so easy in uh, church systems to think of hierarchies starting, say, with a pope and cardinals and archbishops and bishops. And, and, and even in the United Methodist Church, we have, we have so easily become clericalized. Even though the overwhelming majority of Methodists are lay people, and even though only about one-tenth of one percent of the Christian community in the world is clergy, we still make it look like a preacher oriented church. The Wesleys, in using the phrase one another, understood that in spiritual formation, in spiritual guidance, everyone is a teacher. Everyone is a learner. And in any given moment, those roles are fluid and they move back and forth through the sharing of testimonies, the bearing of witness, uh, the, uh, the uh, stories of experience that lead other people to say, wow, I've never thought about it that way before. I've, I've never looked at it from that angle. That flattened fellowship <clears throat> is a rich experience of sharing, giving, and receiving. <clears throat> and then watching over one another in love. Now, we're going to say so much about the Wesleyan theology of love in the UM's Connected Movement uh, that, uh, in one sense, you may get tired of hearing it, but, uh, but uh, the, the Wesleys would say, uh, you never can say too much about love. You, you never can root faith and the formation of faith too deeply in love. That is uh, the environment in which living faith not only exists, but expands. I've thought about this phrase, watching over one another in love, and it, uh, it strikes me as representing four very important things. First, 
the Methodist movement inwardly models godliness. It's not the profession of faith, but the incarnation of it. See, that dead orthodoxy professes faith. It just doesn't put feet to it. It doesn't give voice to it. It it doesn't become salt and light. It doesn't penetrate into the loaf of life to make a difference. So the Wesley's choice of holiness as as that one of those main theological words is is godliness authenticity genuineness what jb phillips who translated the new testament and a few of the old testament books called the ring of truth when you thump it it goes ding it doesn't go thud watching over one another in love arises out of godliness it also is a phrase of mentoring, mentoring one another, mentoring uh, and helping people grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, it's it's about motivating ministry. When the when the people would come together, particularly in the class meetings, and were asked, "How is it with your soul?" they they uh, reviewed their previous week, or they reviewed the recent days of their lives, and they they talked with one another about what it meant to be a Christian and a farmer, what it meant to be a Christian and a homemaker, what it meant to be a Christian and a magistrate, what it meant to be a Christian and a, and a sea captain. Some of Wesley's treatises are addressed to people at the level of vocation because watching over one another includes motivating for ministry, taking the word and making it flesh in your own life and in the way you live that life day after day after day. Another idea of watching over one another in love, particularly when you understand love as the regenerative nature of God, is that the Methodists intended to grow. They intended to multiply themselves. Um, They intended to be bearers of light and life into that culture that we spoke of a few minutes ago where so many people felt homeless invisible, marginalized, and uncared for. You see, living faith is inspired by an inward vision in early Methodism, watching over one another in love, and then that becomes the outward vision of spreading scriptural holiness across the land. Once again, in that phrase, very important things. The word spread means that the Methodists were proactive. They had a go-to mentality, not a come-to mentality. They were sowing seeds uh, like unto that parable, slinging seeds everywhere they went, believing that some of those seeds would fall into good soil and bear much fruit. Scriptural holiness, there's, there's too much to even get into about that in this podcast. We'll certainly be coming back to it in future episodes. But that's the, that's the content, if you want to call it that. That's the, that's the holiness stream that Richard Foster writes about in his book, Streams of Living Water, which goes all the way back through Christianity into Judaism and, in fact, can be identified in other religions of the world. Holiness 
is uh, is a word which often connotes negativity or judgmentalism, but but the Bible understands it in a beautiful way. In fact, it talks about the beauty of holiness, and the Wesleys understood holiness as that beautiful thing. And then across the land, and that meant everywhere they went, and every day that they lived, and every opportunity that they had. I've gone into some detail about this because I want you to understand that living faith is is a fruit, is a manifestation of a vision, a vision inwardly in the movement of watching over one another in love and an outward vision of spreading scriptural holiness across the land in a winsome way. We have a vision as the people call Methodist, United Methodist today, and we say it's making disciples for the transformation of the world. So much again that we can say about that, that whole idea of making disciples congruent with the Great Commission itself, not making members, not even making converts who remain spiritual infants, uh, like the writer of Hebrews worried about uh, the audience that he or she was was either writing to or speaking to uh, needing milk, not solid food. No, no, no. Making disciples, people who, who become increasingly conformed to the image of Christ through the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit and the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. We understand that as United Methodists. Make disciples for... Oh, such an important word, because it says not just so we can put uh, ourselves up on the shelf like trophies, but so that we can be witnesses. This is theology for a purpose. Uh, this is theology for for a reason. Uh, uh, I often, in my times of uh, daily office and um, daily quiet time, morning devotions, I, I, I like to to take whatever it is that I've been reading in scripture or in some other kind of you know, material and, and add the little phrase, in order that. In order that. Why have I read this? Why have I prayed over this? Why have I pondered this? In order that. I might live it, see. So that's, that's, our, that's our vision in the United Methodist Church to make disciples for something. And we identify it the transformation of the world. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Light has shined into the darkness, John says, and the darkness could not conquer it, could not withstand it, could not overcome it. Just as the Wesleys believe that where early Methodism uh, existed in its best sense, that it would bear life, we believe, that the gospel bears life and light and love. And now, for UM's Connected, a little tiny movement in all of this, a 21st century expression of a long-standing reality. We have come into existence to reflect the vision of early Methodism, the twin visions of watching over one another in love and spreading scriptural holiness across the land and to help people in this in-between time, this liminal space, this time, as Paul Turnier talked about, the Swiss psychologist, between the bars, 
we have let go of one kind of United Methodism and the new United Methodist Church is emerging. And in between, some people are feeling uh, like they're they're being turned every which way but loose, turned upside down and inside out. They are floundering and confused and discouraged and feeling forgotten and homeless. UUM's Connected has come into existence to say you're not alone. We want to watch over you in love. We want to point you in the direction of other groups that are doing the same thing because we're not the only one that are seeking to to be bridge builders from one United Methodist Church to another. Living faith. We're in the midst of a new awakening. God is doing a new thing. We have reasons to be filled with the kind of hope Jeremiah talked about in chapter 29. It's a living faith. It's a faith inspired by this vision. Well... That's our episode for today. I hope you found it helpful. I hope you found it inspiring to realize that as you stand as a disciple of Christ in the Wesleyan tradition, you're part of a movement that's on fire with a compelling vision to not only change your life, but through you, the lives of others. Thanks for listening today. Tune in next week as we continue this series on living faith. Continue our journey together in UM's Connected. Feel free to contact me if you have any questions. UM's Connected at flumc.org. Tell others about the movement so that they can become part of it too.